You're listening to Warriors in the Dust, the official Fink Desert Race podcast. So listen up now. Hello there and welcome to Warriors in the Dust, the podcast dedicated to exploring all things Fink Desert Race. Australia's greatest off-road race for cars, buggies, trophy trucks, quads and bikes of the two-wheeled variety. Great to have you with us. In this episode, Rick Hall, two-time Fink Desert Race champion on a bike, joins me again as we speak with David Walsh, the reigning king of the desert for the bikes, as he prepares to defend his crown. We'll be speaking with some of the top hopes in the cars and buggies division in coming weeks, but in this episode, we hear the thoughts of David Walsh. It's going to be a very fast year, and a lot of um, track work's done, so it's going to be a very crucial year to know exactly what's coming up and what's around each bend. So a lot of track to remember. And later in the show, we meet some of the fans of the race. After all, the competitors put on the show, but it's the fans who make it an event, and we find out why they love the Fink so much. And I stepped out, and this sheet of red dust was just <laughs> coming towards me on this icy cold wind slapping me in the face. The throttle didn't even back off. Like it was just it was amazing to see what was going on. You know, from the bikes to the cars, it was still, you know, I'm a bike rider, but the cars are just as, you know, the buggies are just as impressive. I think now it's got to the point where I've had enough. <laughs> I want to be part of it and see it. I love Alice from the first time I visited there when I was like 16. It's just the colours of the landscape um, that always makes me want to go back there. That's all right here on Warriors in the Dust. He's been king of the desert for the bikes in the Fink Desert Race for the past two years. Having won it for the first time in 2019, nobody even got close to him last year. His name is David Walsh, local Alice Springs hometown hero, and he, along with two-time winner and Warriors in the Dust co-host Rick Hall, join us right now. G'day to you both, and especially to you, David. Thanks for making time available to speak with us. Hey, hi, man. Thanks for having me. First of all, let's uh, look at last year. You're the reigning champion for two years, but you haven't raced for for that one year. It's a bit unusual, isn't it? Oh, if I knew it was that easy to defend my title, I would have won it earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, of, of course, with COVID intervening and the race being sadly cancelled last year. Now, I've traced your involvement in the Fink back to about 2009. Now, it might go back further. I was sort of mainly looking at the top 20 in 09, which was... Uh, a great race, Rick. You might remember some great competitors there. I think I finished two hundred ninety third, <laughs> um, but you finished sixteenth. Very memorable. I'll be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> My first year was um, two thousand and seven. I finished sixteenth. Two thousand eight, I DNF'd, and then um, yeah, two thousand and nine. I I think I tore my ACL um, and yeah, ended up sixteenth. So not not my best year, but managed to finish. So that's all right. Not bad after tearing ACL, I, I would suggest. And going forward from there, you, uh, in 2011, you're 11th. 2012, you're second behind Toby Price, 13. Was that a DNF? What happened that year? Yeah, I had a get-off in prologue. Um, and, yeah, did some shoulders, some shoulder 
injuries. Um, so just pulled out of that year again. <laughs> and then, yeah, 14, second again to Toby, uh, 15, DNF'd on the way home in second place. Uh, 16 got third behind Toby and Ty Simmons. Uh, 17 was no good, um, was leading and on the way home had some mechanical issues. And then, yeah, 18 second again behind Toby and uh, finally got the win in 19. Full marks for perseverance and um, also, Rick, uh, full marks for consistently high performance, wouldn't you think? Already, he knows that if you're up the pointy end to take a year off, you, you end up that much further behind. So, so I, I just credit him for keeping at it and he got the result in the end he wants. We would like love to him get better results and I want to know how, um, how he's tracking for this year. Yeah, so, so far this year is looking pretty good. Um, trying to draw it as much as I can. Yeah, I don't know, just only got nine weeks left. So looking forward to getting a lot of track time in and, and just trying to be as fit and ready as I can be. It's going to be a very fast year. It's been a lot of um, track work's done. So it's going to be a very crucial year to know exactly what's coming up and what's around each bend. So it's a lot of track to remember. David, you've it's an incredible record. You you've stayed local all through all that time i'm guessing and you yeah, race, born yep and you're racing against the pros who ride full time and you've got all those results there and you finally break through for the win what's that feel like oh it was a dream come true for me um i've grown up race uh, watching this race uh, from you know camping when i was two years old to finally being old enough to race when i was 16 and uh you know i never thought in 100 years that I was going to be at the pointy end. And when I went off first, got my first podium in 2012, it sort of created a new hunger for me that I wanted to, you know, actually win the event. So sort of what's kept me going all these years. And, yeah, it's been good. And the monkey off your back in 19, mate, how good was that? <laughs> yeah, look, to be honest, I thought for sure 19 wasn't going to be a good year because going back over the records every odd year, was I seemed to have a problem, <laughs> so I was glad to get the win and to get some a result in an odd year. So looking forward to this year now. I think that's why I was so good at being second. You know, it was an even number. <laughs> and like I say, riding against the pros is, you know, that's a disadvantage. They're riding every day. You've just told me you've started up a building business. You're working full time doing that. That's a huge workload in itself. You're trying to ride enough to win this race, does the advantage of being local and knowing the track and being able to ride it every weekend, if you like, does that outweigh riding full-time, do you think? I believe it used to, um, but now the sport or the race has become such a sort of nationally recognised event that the top guys are coming up here and spending weeks um, leading into the race anyway. So that they know the track just as well as anyone. So, yeah sort of evened it out a bit that way. But, I mean, I don't think it's any excuse that you're racing pros. You just got to put in the work and, you know, eventually you you get to the level that you want to be and be able to compete with them. And, Rick, what's uh, David Walsh's great strengths as a rider? Oh, I, we've already been over to person. To keep going when you've had a bad year or you've setbacks, um, I know he had a lot of a uh, lot of issues when he was on the Honda. They're trying to compete with the KDM. I just wanted David to tell me how how much it was to get on the KDM, mate, after persevering with Honda so so long. 
Yeah, look, obviously we were on 450s and chasing 500s, so we, we were always trying to do a little bit to stretch the legs on the 450 to try and get that top speed to keep up. And, um, yeah, it was just unfortunately undoing the reliability of the of the 450 bike. Um, so the year I finally got the a ride with KDM, it, it definitely made everything a lot easier. The bike is um, a very strong, capable motor working with. Apro, Danny Apro over the years, he's an um, amazing engine builder and then mechanic there, Michael Cruz, he like the guys are just second to none and um, yeah, the 500, she just, she keeps pulling in that heavy sand and if you don't really ride one these days, you're already starting on, a, on the back foot. Mate, did you ever get to the bottom of what happened in 18? You probably can't say, but uh, what happened to that motor in 18 where you're about to out of think on the way home? Yeah, no, it was, yeah. Can't really say, mate. <laughs> it was just it had a bad day, the bike. Yeah. <laughs> I heard rumors someone had a bad day. But that I'll just leave it at that. Uh, it was nothing like that. So yep. it was just, um, yeah. These things happen in motorsport, unfortunately, and you just got to cop it on the chin and come back the next year, I suppose. Have you ever yes. considered uh, trying to go full-time and uh... – moving away and joining a team or something like that? Oh, for me, I, I did try the motocross scene a lot when I was younger. I was sort of getting half-decent results, but not enough to get factory support. And then being from Alice Springs, uh, the support you were getting to, to ride dirt bikes was for the Fink Desert Race. So that's when I sort of turned my you know priorities towards that event. And then I'm, I'm probably a little bit too long in the tooth now to be still chasing the dream like that. So I'm just happy that I've, I've got the support from such a great team in KDM and and um, and I'm able to, you know, still line up each year and, and do what I love. Yeah, mate. And Alice Springs, Chip, they'll always make more than a pro rider anyway. They're, they're the <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about that, mate. I'm not driving a half a million dollar buggy this year. <laughs> What about Toby Price? Bit of a bogeyman for you at times. Um, it's He won't be riding this year, which must be good, but you'd also like to beat him, no doubt. I would much prefer to have him on a bike um, as well. Being beaten by Toby, yeah, it sucks, but I think everyone in the world's been trying to beat him for a while now. You know, he's won two Dakars. He's, he's no slouch, so if I'm... Um, I'm getting second to him. It's still not a bad effort, I think, and I would still rather go head to head against him and um, and try and get one one back over him over all the years. But he's had a few injuries this year, a few surgeries, so he'll just take that comfort ride and sit in that car. I think. <laughs> what about the Fink scene around Alice Springs? Uh, one thing I noticed when I was there was that it's quite communal. You might be racing against each other and. Uh, there's a few old timers still around like Rick who are ready to impart some knowledge. Um, it's quite a supportive community, it seems to me. Is that, is that how it is? Yeah, definitely. Get a lot of support from guys like Rick, um, you know, over the years, always looking out for me and that. And still to this day, I, I work closely with Stephen Greenfield, who was a four-time winner, does my suspension and it's the best suspension that you can get for Think Desert Race. So without these guys, you know, GDR suspension or I wouldn't have um, got as far as I have in this race. So I really owe these guys a lot and um, I'm very thankful for everything they've done for me. 
It's interesting, isn't it, that someone like Greeny is so open with what he shares. Um, he was like that when I was riding, racing against him. So did you have that same relationship with Toby, uh, other, other guys on your team? Not really. I mean, we were still competing against each other. So although we, you know, we get on and we're mates, but when it comes to the business end, it's sort of you weren't giving each other too much, which... I don't know. I, I prefer it that way, I guess. It still keeps some things, you know, for surprise come race day, keep each other on our toes. So when I was riding with Ty Simmons, it was we, we did share a little bit, Ty and I. We're um, pretty good mates. I've known him for a lot longer. But, uh, yeah, still still got to compete and beat each other no matter it's a single-man sport, really, once you're on the bike. So you've got to have some tricks up your sleeve. How, how do you pro riders get spooked by this race, mate? Does it? confuse you it did in in the beginning but the faster i sort of became at the event the more i sort of realized that yeah maybe it is a bit crazy and it's probably you know they're used to dodging trees and things around a, a tight track doing 40k an hour but when you're going past desert oaks doing a 140 you know to 180k an hour it's, it's a little bit different and it's i guess it's something you only think about when you're off the bike too mate Yes, one thing for me I've found over the years is when you actually ride, uh, when you watch someone else ride, it's it makes me a lot more nervous. And I went pre-running with Luke Hayes the other day, and he's looking really good on the bike, and he's fast through some whoops and things, you know. And I was watching him going, "Oh, that that doesn't make me feel too good," you know. <laughs> but then when you're on the bike and you're used to it, and it doesn't feel like you're going that quick anymore. And who are your main threats this year? Do you think? Definitely Luke Hayes. He's looking very good. And then, you know, you've got last, well, 2019's podium getters in Jacob Smith and Bo Rouston. Jacob's a, a great guy and a great competitor. And then there's a new young kid on the block, cousin of mine, Liam Walsh. He's looking really good on the bike. And I'm, I'm pretty excited to see uh, just how he goes this year. I think he'll definitely be, you know, a future a winner of this event. And he's not far off his prime at the moment, but do you think you could beat Rick Hall in his prime? <laughs> Can we disregard that? Can we that? <laughs> if only we could line up, though. It'd be good fun, I reckon. Uh, I think one one thing David wishes he could have done, probably still wishes he could do, um, and probably is going to do, is race the CR500. So I think he mentioned that after his 19 win, having love to race the CR500. So tell me your thoughts, David. I'd said... You know, since growing up watching the event, they were the dominant bike and uh, it was always a dream of mine to race one in the event. And a, a mate of mine, Craig Carmichael, came down, I think it was for 2019, and he had a an old-style CR500 that he was going to ride. And I went down the track on it and I thought, yeah, you know what? Thank God I'm riding. <laughs> <laughs> the technology's come a long way since, since what you guys used to do, so... <laughs> And, and Craig's, Craig's no slouch. He knows how to get along on a bike too. So I'm surprised. Yeah. I didn't make it home from memory, so I'm surprised he uh, didn't persevere. Yeah, no, I don't think the yeah the bike quite was up to his capabilities at that point. <laughs> what about Michael Wolf? Did a bit of brotherly rivalry help you get to the pointy end? Yeah, definitely, especially as kids growing up. You know, I always had someone to chase, my older brother, which made things interesting. And, 
yeah, we always had a bit of a laugh when it come to racing and competition between us, but it was the same with football or anything we did. So it was always uh, one to watch and one that kept me on my toes no matter what sport we were doing. I just hope David can uh, can get the job done this year. Um, I know how many yards he's put in and I know I know he'll be thinking about everything in a couple of months. I think it's only two months away. Uh, just what, some final thoughts. Chucky Sanders, you think he's going to show? I don't know. I've heard mixed reports, really. I think it'll depend on what's happening with an overseas event and COVID and whether or not he can get to and from countries, I think, without too much quarantine. But, you know, it's it's pretty cool that someone of his calibre is thinking of coming and racing. He's a bit, you know, he's going to be a bit like a Toby Price. I'd say he's fourth outright in his first DACA. Like, it's pretty freaky. So I'm sure if he's if he's thinking of doing Fink, it'll it'll bring a lot of interest, like um, international support and interest in the race. All right, David Walsh, reigning champion of the Fink Desert Race. Thank you very much for making the time. You're incredibly busy, especially this time of year, preparing for Fink and uh, getting uh, or you've got it off the ground, but keeping your, your building business going. So really appreciate your time on Warriors in the Dust. And uh, hopefully you'll have a great run and uh, we'll see you on the podium again. No worries. Thank you. Cheers, Rick. No worries, mate. This is Warriors in the Dust, the official Fink Desert Race podcast. Welcome to you all. Now, like most great events, it's not just the racing, not just the skill of the competitors that makes the Fink so special. It's also the fans. If you ask any of the riders and drivers, they'll happily tell you that they get a real kick out of the love they get from all the fans who line the 230-kilometre track between Alice Springs and Fink or Apertula. More than 10,000 fans camp out in the desert to watch the competitors race by, and I can say from personal experience as a lowly backmarker on one occasion that the enthusiasm of some fans for the also-rans is much appreciated. So I thought I'd check in on some of the fans to see why they love the race so much and what got them hooked. Rob Dean. Now, Rob... You are the person actually responsible for getting me interested in the Fink Desert Race. Many years ago, I was a single man with uh, no ties and the ability to make decisions on a whim. Weren't they good times? And one day you called up and said, let's go and watch the Fink Desert Race. And I said, the what? And I said, you know, I don't mind motorsport, but do I really need to go out in the desert and watch this? And uh, you said, yes, you do. And so we went. Now, Rob, you were talking this race up quite a lot at the time. So what was it that got you interested in it? I was living and, and working in the Alice and um, a, a keen motorcycle, off-road motorcycle rider myself, you know. Being from Victoria, I was used to riding in the hills and I met a few uh, locals up there that I'd been out riding along the Fink with doing some some training rides with those guys and I was just thinking, you know, and they like, you got to watch this thing. And I never, I knew nothing of the Fink. Um, it was all new to me. Uh, but, yeah, so, you know, just riding that track and just thinking, I, I would not even do half of it back in a day and I'd just be complete toast and thinking, how can these guys ride all the way down, flat stick, go to sleep, wake up, turn around and do it all again the next day? 
Stuart Ball, you love bikes. You used to ride them in England. Now you ride them in Australia. And you haven't been to the Fink Desert Race, but you've been keen for a while? Been very keen, very keen over the years. I've been sort of sitting back and watching. We've been kind of being pulled away by what we do work-wise and providing opportunity, the adventure for, for, for our customers. And I think now it's got to the point where I've had enough. <laughs> I want to be part of it and see it. Paul Murray, now uh, you've been to watch the thing twice, is that right? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, 2008 and 2009. Why? What got you there? What was the hook? Uh well, a mate told me uh, that, you know, since we live close enough to it. Close enough, so, about uh, eight hours away or something like that. That's close enough. Yeah, we, we took the back way from Isa across and, um, yeah, sort of just pushed through the night. Now, our celebrity guest, if I could say that, is Abby Dinham, and she used to work for ABC News in Alice Springs and now has risen to the lofty heights of SBS News. And, Abby, when you were in Alice Springs, you had to cover, report on the Fink Desert Race. I did. I did. I remember being a little bit hesitant about it because I'd never been to the Fink Desert Race, but my colleague Murray Silby pushing me towards it and saying, no, you have to go. You have to go. It's it's an experience like no other, and you were certainly right on that point, I can tell you. Look, you know, that first time we went out and just watched that, just seeing those guys coming out of that bend and over the crest and, the, <laughs> you know, the, the the top guys that, you know, the, the throttle didn't even back off. Like, it was just, it was amazing to see what was going on. You know, from the bikes to the cars, it was still, you know, I'm a bike rider, but the cars are just as, you know, the buggies are just as impressive. He's actually part of... Um one of our rides that we do sort of connect with the Fink and ride up some of the track. I should tell everybody that you are the great Australian ride. You run that or own it. And what tell us briefly what you do, first of all, and how you're going to incorporate the Fink in that. Yeah, we've been, we've been doing the great Australian ride now for 10 years, um, east to west, Byron Bay to Steep Point. And the Fink has, in, in that time, in that nine, 10 years, the Fink's been part of that. Every time we go to Alice, we tend to catch up with a rider or people that support riders in the thing. And their dedication and, and uh, support and what they, you can see, it's something, it's, it's got its own magic. From, from what I feel and see and understand, it has its own magic. I think it's the setting and everything, everything as well that sort of brings into it. Like I, I love Alice from the first time I visited there when I was like 16, it, it's just the colours of the landscape um, that always makes me want to go back there. I'd never been into the desert before. I, I think I'd only been in Alice Springs a couple of months. And I, being a city girl, I thought it's the desert. It's going to be warm. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember walking into this uh, this sort of tent for the media and I, you know, got my... Uh, microphones ready I got my recorder ready and I stepped out and this sheet of red dust was just <laughs> coming towards me on this icy 
cold wind slapping me in the face. <laughs> Back then, there was a there was a handful of sidecars that were there too. Like <laughs> we don't tend to see them anymore, but they, they were around. <laughs> and you think those? <laughs> you see those guys are lunatics. <laughs> I know riders that have come from England with the intention just to come and, and ride the thing. You know, they've they've seen it through social media, YouTube, and whatnot. They've saved up, come out, bought a bike, put it in a van, come out from either Melbourne, Sydney or Brisbane uh, and done the race and then sold the bike and gone home. And to just hear this, you know, this sound just coming across the dunes, just, yeah, it's just coming at you, you know, <laughs> and then, and, then uh, and for the choppers as well, that, that, was just, that was a highlight, you know, just watching them follow them riders, you know, it was... It was quite an experience. He'd come off the track and I'm pretty sure he'd either broken his arm or his Mm. wrist and they were bringing him back to get some some medical treatment. And I think it was in that moment, the first couple of minutes of the Fink Desert Race that I realised what this was. It was Survivor meets (laughs) motorbikes. You know, no one's particularly close to you where we were that time. But just the atmosphere and talking to the other campers close by and it's a really good feel and, you know, it, there's just something more special when you're camped out under those stars around Alice Springs. It's a very special place. Um, it's a special part of the land that you can, you know, get to enjoy that with and tie that tight in with bikes and buggies and everything blitzing past in the, the early hours of the mornings, you know, with that is, is a special place been on their bucket list you know obviously they watch that car and other races around the world and I think think in Australia is is the race I can't forget it that's why I went straight back the next year it's definitely an assignment that I will never forget every year when I sit down and I'll you know listen to the stream on um over the internet or on Facebook or something and like and every time I do it I'm like I've got to go back next year got to go back some of the fans there either looking forward to witnessing their first Fink firsthand or desperate to get back to the big race again sometime soon. Thanks to all our guests this episode, reigning bike champion David Walsh and also Abby Dinham, Paul Murray, Stuart Ball, Rob Dean and of course the one and only Rick Hall. Coming up on Warriors in the Dust in the next few weeks, we'll be taking a close look at the cars and buggies and also some of the great rivalries the Fink has served up over the years. Until then, stay safe, be happy, and go fast. I'm Murray Silby, and this is Warriors in the Dust. You've been listening to Warriors in the Dust, the official Fink Desert Race podcast. Move along now.